freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Everybody. Welcome to episode number 328 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearmsauctions.com, where you set the price on guns, ammo, and accessories. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is educating about the Fed, and our guest is Alan Myers. He is a San Diego CPA and forensic accountant. For 10 years, he has dedicated himself to researching, studying, and analyzing the Federal Reserve System, banking, and other national debt, and the national debt. Alan is a writer, speaker, and radio commentator on those and other related topics. The national monetary system is the most powerful system in our country because everything in our country is connected to it. Unfortunately, says Alan, the system was not designed to work in the best interest of the people of our country. And I agree with you. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you both. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, Thank you for the introduction. If... I don't have it, but if you can show the front cover of my pamphlet, it's called Fed Ed. Oh yeah, the cover, the artwork. The one thing, just the overlay, thank you. The overlay on this is that, and on the front cover is a Hydra, the mythological creature, multiple heads sitting on multiple necks. And the mythology of the Hydra is, is that if you cut off one head, two will grow back. And to me, this is a great metaphor for today. Every one of those heads in, on that mythological hydra will, will take you out. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely dangerous. Mm-hmm. And they protect each other. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever going to take the hydra down, yeah, you got to pay attention to the heads, but you can't take it with the heads. You have to take its sole source of power, what it only has one of, and that's its heart. And to take the Hydra's heart is to take its heartbeats. When you understand Fed Ed, when you understand the bookkeeping of banking, you will understand how to take the heartbeats of the Hydra because it is that source of power that fuels all our other problems. Well, and I love uh, everything about this cartoon, including the the big government guy who says, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Right. The, the be- most dangerous, terrifying words ever spoken <laughs> by government. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. The uh, BOG actually stands for Board of Governors. Oh, so that would go. be the the head of the Federal Reserve System. The Fed to me, Fed being the short nickname given to the Federal Reserve System, the Federal Reserve Banks by somebody long ago. That's the front. That's not where the power is. As we'll get through, eventually we'll get to the power exists in banking. 
and the Fed is supposed to control control banking. And when we get to one of these modules, you'll understand why that doesn't happen. But module, if you want me to get into module one is, <clears throat> excuse me, the origin and development of money. Should Absolutely. I begin? Well, yeah, and let me just touch on this real quick, because this is an interesting conversation that Dan and I have, uh, you know, just occasionally <clears throat> that, you know, money. So, so our businesses are, you know, we have a gun shop, it's now a gun auction, and we have an auction house. So especially in the auction world, the idea of the value of something, what is something worth? It's only worth what somebody else would agree that it's worth, right? And so I think that money has a very similar function. You know, these, uh, these notes that we walk around with, right? We call it paper, but it's more of a, a cloth-based paper. You know, there's a $1 note and a $100 note. Uh, why do we all agree that the one with a couple extra zeros is worth so much more? It's the same material, right? It's different color ink. There's a little bit more ink on it but we give it so much more value. It's, it's just because we have, as a culture, agreed to something. And, um, and from there, I do want you to just launch and talk to us more from, from an educated person's mind about you know, really the origin and development and the what <clears throat> is money. Okay. Do you want me to touch on what you just said first? Yeah. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> the... And this is part of the origin and development of money, which is money facilitates, makes happen an indirect transaction. Mm -hmm. If we go way back in the day, it's direct barter. Mm -hmm. And I have a little story about apples and oranges, eggs and tomatoes. Okay. Well, I have apples and you have oranges. And I come, you know, we're all living in the same little area and I come over and I want to direct barter some of my apples for your oranges. And you say, Alan, I don't want any apples. I want eggs. <sighs> okay. So I got to go find the egg lady. Mm -hmm. The egg lady doesn't want any apples. She wants <laughs> tomatoes. And the whole time I have to keep track of the exchange ratio here. Mm -hmm. So I find the person who has tomatoes who will take my apples. I get the tomatoes, I go to the egg lady, I get the eggs, and then I have to worry about dropping them on the way to you. Mm -hmm. And the whole time I'm having to keep track of the exchange ratio, and is all this time and effort worth it? Maybe I should just sit there and eat my apples. <laughs> Human beings figured out this does not work very, very well. This is mm -hmm. just doesn't work. This is dumb. Mm -hmm. As people started uh, trading over greater and greater areas, they realized that, well, they don't want my apples, mm -hmm. but they want something else. This is my understanding of how indirect barter began. Mm -hmm. And when you can use an item of barter, medium of exchange, that's what money is called sometimes, you can trade over greater and greater areas for more and more things. Mm -hmm. which means ultimately you can specialize mm -hmm. into one or a few things because you're eventually going to be able to exchange that for money because you're going to sell it. And that money, and I'm using the term very generally, that money is going to be used by you to go get the things you want. Right. And what about when apples are out of season? Then what do you do? 
right? Now you've got nothing to trade unless you have this other system well, that you're talking about. hope you got something else going. Yeah. But yes, exactly. So ultimately, money comes down. And the focus today, a lot of times, is on what money is. Mm-hmm. Oh, gold and silver, gold and silver, you know, precious, precious metals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've been around forever. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have. I agree with that. But think about how long these two precious metals, gold and silver, were used in some way or form as money. But who ruled the world? Free people mm. or monarchs, dictators, and tyrants? Mm. This is the money point. of tyranny. Okay. At least that's its history. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm not really tied to gold and silver that way because it's all about what it is, not what it does. I care about what money does. Money facilitates the indirect transaction. If it gets the job done, it's done. Yeah. That's what I care about. Okay. And we're going to get into the characteristics of money in another module. Ultimately, one of the big takeaways of this is who created money? Did banks create money? Did governments create money? Or did people create, develop, and mature the concept of indirect transactions? I think it's the last one. I think it's the people. Okay. And this is the reason I feel this is important is because it belongs to us, mm-hmm. the people. And the power over money has been taken from us. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that we have abdicated. <laughs> to some um, higher authority or, or so we, we think or we say. And I, again, it's like, why do we always think that we have to abdicate to some you know, centralized governmental type of uh, entity for something to um, make sense or, or truly have value? It's, it's so strange to me. Yeah, we, we've been educated to allow governments to get bigger and bigger mm-hmm. uh, back to value mm-hmm. and yeah we call it paper federal reserve notes it's 75 percent cotton 25 percent linen so it'd make a really nice shirt <laughs> the reason that a bill with one on it versus a bill with a hundred on it has so has a hundred times more value or purchasing power is because you had to do a hundred times more work to get it. <laughs> I mean, again, okay. it's 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 the medium of exchange. Mm-hmm. Now, I forgot to do this, and I won't in the future. All my modules, which are the first fifteen, one page, one topic, they all open with a quote, and I like to read the quote, mm-hmm. uh, and it goes this way: "It money." is the most important subject intellectual persons can investigate and reflect upon. It is so important that our present civilization may collapse unless it is widely understood and its defects remedied very soon. This came from Robert H. Hemphill, credit manager, Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta, 1936. Mm. Okay, this is a guy who was in there, mm-hmm. pun intended, belly of the beast, and he's saying, this is the most important subject intellectual persons can investigate and reflect upon. 
and do oh. we? <laughs> I'm going to leave that answer up to you. <laughs> so that the takeaway, excuse me, <clears throat> the takeaway on module one, only people, not banks or governments, created, developed, and matured the idea of turning items of barter into money. And to use that money to peacefully and successfully complete indirect transactions for goods or services. That's what money is. That's what money does. If it gets the job done, it's money. Mm -hmm. Any questions? On this, I think you've covered it beautifully. And I love how, um, you know, we are going through this as modules, as, as a learning session, uh, because usually when we have a guest like yourself who is taking us into an area where we're maybe mentally uncomfortable or where we just don't usually spend a lot of time there, the, the listeners and the viewers, surely they're going to start arguing in their, their heads with us, right? Like, Good. I don't know who this Yahoo is, but I think he's wrong. Good. I love that because if they're mentally arguing, now you're thinking, and now they're going to go and they're going to investigate this Roger H. Hemphill and they're going to investigate what is money, what isn't money. Um, and so when you say, you know, is money gold and silver now, what are the hot button words? The hot button words is crypto, crypto this, crypto that. There's everything from A to Z. They're, they're naming all kinds of crazy things. Uh, and I can't, one, one, one even, what's our son-in-law talk about all the time? Something starts with an A. Atherin or something. Oh, shoot, it left yeah. me. Anyway, what? so what do you think about that? Is crypto money now? Do you think it will be money? Or is that something we're going to get to as we keep going through? That's a great lead into module two. So I will address that. Awesome. Module two is historic, historical characteristics of money. The quote that I open with is, and this plays off of what I said in module one, money is worth what it will help you to produce or buy and no more. Mm -hmm. Henry Ford from my life and work. Now there's a guy who knew how to make a buck yeah. and he's telling you. Yeah. He's telling the reader, the only thing that matters is what you can create or buy with it. Yeah. Well, over time, generally accepted items of barter have certain characteristics. And there's a list that was out there I've added to it. And this is what helped a society in any point in time in the world decide what their money would be, their item of barter. Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, I'll tell you the characteristic and then describe it and we'll go on. Mm -hmm. Transportable. As I say, if you can't lug it to market, it ain't gonna do you much good. So no. you not you need to be able to move it. I can't trade my elephant. <laughs> well, if you can lug it, you you can. It's, it. it's going to be a tough sale. Yeah. Uh, dividable. Mm. Now we. Uh, it's not dividable. <laughs> not in a not in a kind, caring, loving way. No. Uh, uh, I did a speech once on <clears throat> money, and I got to dividable, and the idea was I was going to compare an orange and a tomato and an egg. Okay. 
what is naturally dividable? The orange, orange. Yeah. easy. Mm -hmm. So the more pieces you have, the easier it is to trade with. Mm -hmm. Non-perishable. Well, if whatever you're using as money goes rotten on the way to the market, mm -hmm. eh, ain't gonna happen. Those apples we were talking about. Apples are gonna do a lot better than tomatoes. That's true. <laughs> Wanted. If no one wants it, it doesn't matter how much you have, it doesn't matter how wonderful condition it is, no one, it's not gonna happen. That's kind of like sand. Mm -hmm. sand. My babies. Your beanie babies. <laughs> yeah. Breaking the hearts of beanie baby collectors out there. Scarce mm -hmm. in supply. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have something that is wanted, mm -hmm. but there's not a lot of it, mm -hmm. okay, now you got something good. Mm -hmm. uh, interchangeable. Inter say what? Let me just say that that's something like, again, in the collectible world, in the antique uh, world, the auction world, sometimes something is so scarce that people don't even know what it is, why they should want it. So scarce, but yet known, right? So yes. that's important. So go ahead. Yes. Uh, interchangeable. We have coins, nickels, dimes, pennies, quarters. If, if somebody owes you a quarter, you don't really care what quarter they give you. Just give me one. So that's the interchangeability. That's true. Unit of account. This is where whatever is being sold, good or service, is denominated mm -hmm. in the unit that you're trying to use. Mm -hmm. Store of value is very important in some ways because and and this is what is absolutely under attack mm -hmm. in our current system. Store of value is another way of saying purchasing power. Mm -hmm. What we typically hear in the media is inflation. Mm -hmm. And inflation is kind of a benign word. It doesn't sound very threatening. Oh, inflation. Oh, the Fed targets 2% inflation. It can't be bad. Right. Well, we inflate our tires because we want them to be safe on the road. So why right. is inflation yeah. bad? Uh, we inflate our personal story so we're liked. Okay, <laughs> that's a completely different thing. But when you're monetary unit is being subject to inflation that is loss of purchasing power mm -hmm. it buys less mm -hmm. that's not good right. so you want a monetary item unit item of barter to hold its store of value to be valuable mm -hmm. uh another next one this was me not consumed you know, some back to the apples and oranges. Well, yeah, you could eat your money or you could trade with it, but it doesn't have to be consumable to be a good form of money. Mm -hmm. These are the ones I added legal mm -hmm. tender status. Now, I put this in because there's a misconception about what legal tender status really means. Mm -hmm. And it says on the bills, doesn't say on the coins, uh, good for all debts, public and private. So that's its legal tender status. Oh, wonderful. This is wonderful. Mm -hmm. You go to the U.S. Treasury and you find out there's no statute that requires you to accept. Hmm. It has legal tender status, but in a way, it it doesn't mean what it we our understanding of legal tender status is not what it really means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be used, but it doesn't have to be accepted. 
And that's why if you happen to go to a convenience store after midnight and they got the sign up, nothing bigger than a 20 or nothing bigger than a 10, that's why they can do it. Okay. Uh, held by law to accept. Yeah. Has a physical counterpart. I'll use this at the end. No, well, actually 11 and 12 go together. Has a physical counterpart. Now, most money that people have is electronic digits in some account somewhere. They don't have that much compared to the physical amount of money, cash and coin, their electronic digit money is much greater in supply, mm -hmm. but at least there's a physical counterpart. Mm -hmm. Cryptos mm -hmm. and all the others, they have no physical counterpart. Mm -hmm. This to me is an absolute flaw in the system. Okay. Ease of use. Okay, you go into a store and you give them a 20, a 10, whatever. Okay, this is easy squeezy. <laughs> you want to use Bitcoin, for example. Mm. And here's the problem with no physical counterpart. To use cryptos, you have to have a computer, computer mm -hmm. access, mm -hmm. internet access, and mm -hmm. electricity. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And whoever you're dealing business with, they got to have the same thing. And the One savvy of, to even understand what the heck. It oh, is. We're, get, we're getting to that part. Okay. Well, if one of those things goes away, mm -hmm. you have no ability tr to transact. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever heard of the Carrington event? It sounds familiar. I probably read Carrington, ev modules. <laughs> Carrington event took place in approximately September 1, 1859. Okay. Carrington is a British astronomer. He was checking out the sun. The sun kicked a massive coronal mass ejection. Okay. It's, it's said that this, I'll call it a ball of energy, went from the sun to the earth like 94 million miles in 18, 19 hours. Now that's galactic pedal to the metal. Mm -hmm. It hit the earth. No sound. Mm -hmm. And if somebody was getting up really early, they'd think the sun was rising. Mm -hmm. The Aurora Borealis mm -hmm. was seen down, usually normally seen way up in the northern latitudes, mm -hmm. was seen down in the tropics. Oh, wow. But the kicker was most or all the telegraph equipment and wires burned. Oh, wow. This was 1859. So if that was nowadays, what would that do to all of our electronics? It would be, we like, would be almost like an EMP, right? It, it's massive. It would be, you just imagine you're back in the 1850s, but you don't have a horse, you don't have a wagon, and you probably don't have a farm. Mm -hmm. And your refrigerator isn't working anymore. Right. And there's no way to communicate with any, anybody because it's fried. And every dollar and cent you had in a banking computer as an electronic digit, it's gone. Hmm. Other than that, no problem. Yeah. And no problem. so the last one on characteristics of money is ease of use. Mm -hmm. uh, to use Bitcoin, you need an eight, eight, excuse me, 60 alphanumeric character long private code, private key. 60, 60 alpha numeric characters. I can't remember four. <laughs> That's why you have your address in your wallet. Got it. 
the, the thing is, is that if one of those, if you don't, if you don't have it, you're gone. Mm -hmm. Now, in I think it was December 2018, there was a. Have you ever heard of the Soho Forum? The what is it? Soho Forum. It's yeah. a like a debate society out of New York, okay. and they had Peter Schiff debating. I think his name's Eric Voorhees. Eric is big time Bitcoin. Peter Schiff, big time Wall Street, okay. and they were gonna they were debating cryptos, Bitcoin okay. specifically. Eric went first, and he opens early on in his presentation that cryptos have all the attributes of good money, supremely good money. Mm -hmm. That's what, okay. I just gave you a list of twelve. Mm -hmm. Peter Schiff could have taken him down at the knees in the first minute by saying, because Eric never mentioned what the characteristics of good money or supremely good money are. Mm -hmm. Never mentioned them. Well, if you go through that list, cryptos has less than half. Okay. So, so to take the position that cryptos or Bitcoin is supremely good money, given that it doesn't even have half the characteristics of regular money mm -hmm. is a huge exaggeration. To me, the biggest problem are no physical counterpart, mm -hmm. which we talked about. It's not easy to use. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, a guy running the uh, an exchange in Canada, you know, the old saying, you can't take it with you. Yeah. He proved that he proved that wrong. He died. God rest his soul. He died and took the private key with him. So. No one could get into the exchange. No one could get their stuff. Oh my gosh. Doesn't cash and coin look a lot better right now? <laughs> well, it does. And especially when it feels like there is this, this heavy push to go to a cashless society. So everything does have to go through some, some um, digital uh, regulated governmental form. Uh, or format, uh, I think crypto is almost like, hey, you're a rebel if you've got crypto, but it's buying right into the whole cashless society thing, where if there is, you know, an EMP, electric a magnetic pulse, or there is this, uh, you know, uh, thing that the sun, you said it was like this huge um, coronal mass ejection, that, uh, that it could be hugely disruptive, the globe over the world over. Um, so I would rather have, you know, the things that I can hold in my hand that I, you know, I'm of a certain generation. And well, well, anybody that's 60 years or older is going to tell you they'd rather have the cash in their hand. But I mean, even now they say that that crypto stuff can't be uh, hacked, but that's today. It can't be hacked. What about tomorrow? And if it gets hacked, it's over. You know, I would rather just have my money in the safe, but I'm worried about that too, because how many governments have changed their monies mm -hmm. to where now your money's no good. The United States is probably one of the only countries that I know of that no matter how old their note is, it still can be traded. Yes, I agree. The, I mean, to me, a cashless society is just, you're just waiting to walk off a cliff. Yeah. It's not an if, it's a when. It also means that you are totally dependent on a system that you don't own, you don't control, you don't know where the computers are. And oh, by the way, 
the guy at the bank doesn't like me anymore. (laughs) I just got canceled. Yeah. And I can't get my money. The it's and being able to be tracked by every purchase. No. Uh, in the cashless now in the crypto they're trying to say that's one of the you know the the pluses is that it's somehow untraceable and untrackable and i'm like anything that is electronic and digital based it it leaves a trail no matter what is but i'm you know maybe maybe somebody that has a a bigger brain or a better education than i do in how computers work could prove me wrong but i don't think there's any way to be anonymous if you're well, on let's say system. let's say just for the argument you have total anonymity with cryptos okay mm-hmm. fine great do you have total vulnerability because you have no physical counterpart yes even eric Voorhees admitted during the debate that well if you lose your private key your host yeah okay 60 alphanumeric characters you have to always remember yeah. so you have no physical counterpart it's not easy to use. You could get locked out. Uh, you could lose access because of one of multiple things. Mm-hmm. But here's the kicker. Isn't Bitcoin valued in dollars? That's the thing. Okay, it that, all that's, comes back to that, that's one. dollars, which yeah. all comes back to the Fed. So it's, it's a head scratcher for me, but I'm trying to open my mind to it because our son-in-law is you know, learning about it and dabbling. And so, you know, I'm trying to absorb his enthusiasm for it at least a little bit, but um, the train just keeps running off the track for me, but let's move back to. um, Well, last thing about cryptos is that, because you mentioned it, is that, okay, one day it's worth, and I'm just using round numbers for the conversation. One day it's valued at a hundred dollars Bitcoin. Then it's 30,000 and this and that. Okay, we talked about inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're, you're in retail, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say you decide, you listen to the son-in-law and you decide, okay, we're going all Bitcoin. Yeah. Everything's going Bitcoin. Yeah. And you, you sell a gun. Mm-hmm. But you didn't check the spot price. Mm-hmm. And you didn't notice that the change in, in the value of Bitcoin so you just sold something mm-hmm. for a gross amount. Again, gross is higher than y- your cost. Then you can use to go buy its replacement mm-hmm. because the, the, the change in value of Bitcoin is so rapid and so great. Okay, that's not a form of money. Yeah. Th- these, are speculative, these are speculative investments. Right. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. That's crazy. All right. Did you want to say what your module tool takeaway was? The takeaway is the more of the above listed characteristics an item possesses, the more likely that it will last as a Mm. successful form of money. A successful form of money is in part defined by the characteristics or what what its perceived value is. Mm -hmm. What matters most is that money, this item of barter, medium of exchange, is accepted in indirect transactions, mm-hmm. in peaceful, successful transactions, and not by what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Which takes us to module three, which are examples of money from our past. 
and someday crypto is going to be on here. <laughs> I, think. Yeah. I don't think it will be. I don't think it, money. It's not money. I agree. But if everybody agrees, that's but they don't, taking no. us back to they that don't. first thing where, you know, it's this piece of linen, right? And it's somebody wrote a one and two zeros. And then here's this other piece of linen. They look exactly the same. They feel the same to a blind person, right? But it's a one, zero, zero, and two more zeros. Okay. And we just agree out in the wild what those represent. I feel like maybe at some point crypto could could act in that way. Uh, okay. So anyway, you go if I have my way, if I have my way, that will not happen because it's again, it's fully electronic. Mm -hmm. It has no physical counterpart. Mm -hmm. It's completely dependent on at least four things on each side of the transaction. Mm -hmm. It wildly swings in value. Yeah, it, it, it have to stabilize before it. Can it, really it, be. it, it, it but if you don't have physical characteristics, I mean, if you don't have a physical counterpart, then you're completely dependent on a system that you don't own control, mm -hmm. but will own and control you. Other than that, it's a great thing. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, Alan, I don't believe in anything that, okay, so, you know, <laughs> even our dollar bill right now, back in the day when, you know, a dollar was worth a one ounce of silver or mm -hmm. a part of silver, when they took, like Nixon that took that away from us, that's when a dollar really isn't a dollar anymore. It's just, it's said to be a dollar. I'm the old school guy. If you have, if you're going to have 5,000 cryptos on the market, you better have something that's worth 5,000 times that. And we're back in the to bank. money again. In the bank. I mean, <laughs> or, right, or right. silver. But even, but even you money know, not, there was but, a time, and I think it might have been during the time you're talking about, that as a citizen, it was illegal to own precious metals. So if the government can do that to us, like what what hope do we have? We we have to make up something that we makes might be sense. jumping way ahead of the game. Maybe. Maybe. Well, oh, you're talking about FDR. Yeah. Oh, he's the yep. one that made it illegal. And that was an executive order right after he took office, and you had approximately a month to comply. Right. Uh, there were a few exceptions, but basically you got to turn it all in, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have I don't have the exact dollar amounts but imagine this when you turned in your gold again round numbers for the conversation you got 25 dollars per ounce okay, okay. Mm -hmm. once it all got collected in mm -hmm. the price per gold went over 30 dollars an ounce mm. yeah. your money that's just cute. devalued right that's cute that's the government that cares about you yes <laughs> exactly right and right. you know the other countries did that too uh england did that during the war oh yeah that they yeah. you had to you had to turn in, turn, turn in your gold mm -hmm. so that's true so all right we we are so close to running out of time we're on module three of how many modules do you have <laughs> there's well the, the the big one is 16 but i can do this one pretty quick if you'd like Yes, please. Okay. And that, that encourages everybody to that come is on arguing back. with us. Yes, to come back. We'll have you back on again. And also to get their own copy of FedEd. And we'll tell them how to how do, do that, that um, yeah. definitely at the end of this uh, conversation. Okay. Right. Uh, module three is examples of money from our past. Now, the quote's not necessarily spot on, but I like it. Mm -hmm. It is incumbent on every generation to pay its own debts as it goes. Could you imagine? Wouldn't that yeah. be special? 
right? a, pr a principle which, if acted on, would save one half the wars of the world, Thomas Jefferson. And isn't that interesting? Why would paying our debts impact how many wars there are? Hmm. If you That's didn't, funny. if you couldn't borrow, you couldn't wage war. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just saying. Now, there's all kinds of categories of ordinary money that's been in the past. Animals, their pelts, their furs, their bodies, what I call consumables, corn, spices, tobacco, whiskey, couture, beads, blankets, clamshells, uh, gemstones, silk, metals, of course, bronze, copper, iron, gold, and silver. And back in the day, those metals like bronze, copper, and iron, they were just hunks of metal. Yeah. And, and there's and if you look at module three, there's all these there's 10 different ones that are just crazy. But the one I want to talk about is the Incas. The Incas had one heck of a civilization way back in the day, and they literally had tons of gold and silver. Okay. Just ask the Spanish. They were very yeah. happy about that. <laughs> well, the Incas had special terms for their gold and silver. Gold was referred to as sweat of the sun. Mm -hmm. Silver was referred to as tears of the moon. I believe that because they held these metals in such high esteem and they gave them such terms, pun intended, they would never debase these metals by using them in commerce, which mm. they didn't. Now, they had one heck of a civilization over huge area. What did they use for money? Cacao beans. Yeah. For the Incas and possibly the Mayans, their money literally did grow on trees. <laughs> I like it. So the takeaway <laughs> is people have used a great amount of creativity in turning everyday items into barter, into items of barter or indirect transaction facilitators, mm -hmm. essentially into money. And if it can peacefully help facilitate a transfer of ownership of a good, the benefit of a service from one person to another, it's money. Mm -hmm. It gets the job done. That's true. That's true. I mean, where was it uh, during Hurricane Katrina? I think it was that, you know, a bottle of water <laughs> became the thing, right? Because, I mean, now that was a consumable but it was so important to survival that they, a person would rather have that than your, your linen cotton piece of paper with ones and zeros on it, right? Well, if you look at the characteristics of money, you'll see how many uh, the bottle of water hits. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's the other one. Oh, you need it to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it, it's there. All right. Module four. So oh, do we have we time to go on? Well, let me see. You know what? We really should probably do some wrap up conversation okay. um, and then leave people wanting to come back and find out what the heck is M1 money and what isn't M1 money and on and on through your um, booklet here, uh, because this is truly an education. And what led me to um, to you was I had just started reading um, the creature from Jekyll Island and, um, mentioned it to a mutual friend that we have, who's been a guest on our show. And he said, Oh my gosh, I know who you need to talk to. 
you need to talk to Alan Myers. And um, that's how this whole conversation started. And so that's also to encourage people. Uh, if you haven't read the creature from Jekyll Island, do it. It sounds like a, you know, like 20 leagues <laughs> under the sea. That isn't what it is. And you weren't the author, but you very greatly revere the author. The author is Mr. G. Edward Griffin. Uh, he, I've known him for eight years now. I originally met him. I, I read the book. Uh, one day I got an, an email that Freedom Force International, his original group, was having a meeting. And I'm thinking, how did I get the email? <laughs> I went. I was invited to be on the leadership council. I've been in wow. contact and involved. Uh, now there's the Red Pill Expos. Mm -hmm. I've been a speaker at three of those. The last one was in Rapid City, South Dakota, where I spoke about something unusual for me. I spoke about women of the American Revolution. I talked Which? about five, five of the women. I want to have you back on to talk about as well. Okay, that'd be wonderful. Anyway, I've been in touch with these people and I say it this way. As I sat there for the first moment holding the creature of Jekyll Island and even Mr. Griffin has described this as a great doorstop. It's 600 pages. As I'm sitting there, I do not know that I'm asleep. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I start reading and somewhere in the pages, I become awake. Yeah. I realize there's something I need to know. I complete the book. I do more steady and being the forensic accountant that I am, I, I look at absolute details and that's how I came to my understanding. And the mono, Fed Ed, the, the pamphlet, this isn't economics. This isn't Wall Street. Mm -hmm. This is basic, simple, easy, squeezy reading, non-technical. Mm -hmm. And I've shared what I've done with several CPAs because I'm thinking, okay, Alan, you're a whack. You're, 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 you know, <laughs> you need to go. You, you need to go talk to people who, who, who aren't like you. And I've, I've given my work to like five different CPAs. Mm -hmm. They all come back with, I didn't know. Right. This, none of this was in our education. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you get to the journal entries, there's no arguing with them. Mm -hmm. There's just no arguing with them. But it's the reason I take 15 modules to get there is there's all this background information that just is not in the general knowledge, which is a shame. And it's not because people can't handle it. Mm -hmm. We're not told that this is important. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely important it because so it's is. our monetary system. It so is. I mean, what do we do all day, right? We trade our most finite resource, our time, for this thing that we recognize as money. So it is that important. We are trading our daily moments and lives for this so that we will have that bartering power for the other things that we want and need. And yet we treat it with such carelessness to even fully understand what it is, how it functions, how this thing called the Fed uses it, right? And the power that it wields to impact our individual lives. I, can't, I am still in, in midway through The Creature from Jekyll Island, 
But all I can feel like is we are cattle. We are milk cattle. And every once in a while they reach out and they, you know, milk some, you know, uh, okay. <laughs> and you know, we really are. And every once in a while, you know, maybe we, we need to go to slaughter or something. I really feel like we are just, um, being used like barnyard animals by this creature called the fed. And it will set your hair on fire once you start reading it. And if, if Mr. Griffin is only a quarter right about what he's saying, it should still set our hair on fire. Oh, he's a lot more than a quarter. The uh, Just so people understand, it, the creature from Jekyll Island, I think he, he played off, we know about, you know, uh, the Jekyll from, uh, from the Jekyll fiction. Well, mm -hmm. Jekyll Island is actually an island off the coast of Georgia. Mm -hmm. And back in the day in 1910, this is where the millionaires hung out. And there's a, and if you ever want to talk about this one, we can talk about it. One of the attendees wrote a little pamphlet and it got serialized in the Saturday Evening Post. Mm -hmm. It's called From Farm Boy to Financier. Mm -hmm. He was there. Mm -hmm. And he talks about what went down and how everybody went there incognito in disguise and when they were on the island they didn't use their real names and they switched out all the help so all the help was new and this was absolutely a clandestine meeting mm -hmm. of top banking people from the u.s and from i do believe germany and england mm -hmm. it's it's a fascinating story and none of this was done for our benefit no i know that comes as a surprise I know. I'm here from the government and I'm here to help. No, stop helping me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out uh, of the way and let me help myself. Thank you very much. That's why the Constitution, I know people have come into the habit of interpreting the Constitution. Mm. The Constitution is to be read and understood, mm. not interpreted. Okay. That's why the, the, I mean, the Constitutional Convention was. <clears throat> four months of verbal warfare mm -hmm. these these people these people went at it mm -hmm. to to such a point that franklin finally said uh we need to go about uh, go across the street and pray on this because mm -hmm. they were really going at it it's to me the constitution is a great compromise and what was the federal government given specific enumerated powers mm -hmm. and, and no if you more. And no more. And it had two general functions. One was to speak for the 13 states as a single voice dealing with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And the other was to deal with interstate, two or more state squabbles. Mm -hmm. And that, nothing. Right. And if anybody wants to argue that, I suggest you go look at the 10th Amendment. Because mm -hmm. the 10th Amendment tells you if it ain't in the Constitution, and it isn't forbidden by the constitution it belongs to the states and or the people absolutely there's all no right. there's no implied powers absolutely all so. right well we have got to wrap there's so much more to talk about <laughs> we're definitely going to have to have you back on please I'm, tell folks how they can learn more from you follow the work you're doing get their own copy of this awesome booklet um thank Fed you Ed. Mm -hmm. 
if you're interested in the website, it's FedEd, F-E-D-E-D.us. And there you can go and for $7. No, I did not round down to $6.99. For $7, you can actually help me and get a pamphlet. On Saturdays, I am on live radio. You probably easier to listen to it on the web. It's KMET 1490 AM. That's Saturday's West Coast time, 1 to 3 p.m. It's Constitution Radio run by my friend, Douglas V. Gibbs. Sometimes I act, I'm usually there as a guest. Sometimes I'm guest hosting. And then on Sundays, I'm on Patriot Soapbox. I have a program 5 to 7 p.m. West Coast time called For the Republic. Awesome. Fantastic. And uh, you said one more time, FedEd dot... U.S. Yeah, F-E-D-E-D dot U.S. Uh, we use the phrase, we are the gold standard of monetary system education. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank you so much, Alan. Thanks, we Alan. are definitely going to have you back on as soon as we can. Look forward to it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Alan Myers. You know, man. I couldn't ask any questions because I just wanted to hear what he had to say. I know. And there's so much. And probably at the end of all this, mm -hmm. I'll probably do a whole segment on me asking questions. I love it. Because it's it's very interesting. And you know, there's we should all be concerned about what our, our money really is. It is. And we were listening to you enjoy um, I think it's something on Sirius XM or something. Uh, and they always give you some history about the song or the person mm -hmm. that's right. uh, the, the artist that's going to be on. And so yesterday we were driving and listening to it and they said in, gosh, it wasn't even that long ago. I think it was in the seventies because they were talking about the, the gas prices mm -hmm. and that, you know, inflation has gone and out of control. And it was like a house was like $35,000 yeah. for an entire house. In 1970. Yeah. And we think about that now. And that, you know, just within, um, within my younger siblings lifetime, right. I'm a little bit older than that. I was born in 66, but I have younger siblings within their lifetime. Now the average home is like what, $125,000? Yeah. My mom average, and dad, in 1956, my mom and dad bought their house for under $9,000. Crazy. Under 9,000. And, and, and a car, when a car hit $5,000, people oh, freaked out, said they'll never sell. Yeah. And now I look, the new Cadillac, S, SUV Cadillac is $100,000 for a standard well, car. It's 30, 40, 50,000 just for anything right. anymore. And you think about that. And so, and that you know, inflation, that is inflation. So, if and your dad would have. dollar worth less, it takes yeah. more dollars to buy the same thing. Yeah. So, this, think about it. If, you're, if your parents back in the 1970s put $100,000 in a box and said, when we pass away, you get this $100,000. And what you could buy with it then, mm. and what you could buy with it now, boy, that's so sad. It doesn't even pay a third of the house. So sad. But right. they could have bought, yeah, three of them exactly in 1970. Three houses. So I, I failed. Not that to my ask... mom and dad left me any money. No, no, no. They didn't me either. God love them. A lot of wisdom. Yeah. A lot of great experiences. No money. Um, but I failed to ask Alan, what we'll definitely ask him next time is, so what do we do about it? You know, right. so what do we do about it? Well, I want to know what's so. the end goal. What is he telling us? What is this 
I have not read if, the book yet. Yeah, if you don't know what money is, you know, it's just like our constitution. If you don't know what the constitution says, then you can't really care. Yeah, who, and so if somebody comes along and tells you, oh, no, the Second Amendment doesn't tell you, it doesn't say that it's okay to have AR-15s, all you're going to do is nod and smile and go, oh, I didn't know that. But the Second Amendment doesn't say anything about what kind of arms. It and it didn't say it, even if arms are become, become something in the future that we don't even know as they're okay to have. Exactly. You know. So, all right, we got a blast yeah, out of here. Um, what are we going to do until next time, Dan? Man, we got to pray for the feds, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta pray for a nation. Pray for our our leaders, our elected officials, and um, even the ones we don't particularly like. The more I read about the Constitution, the more I re learn these stories, the more I understand that we should not have leaders. Mm. What should we have? Representatives. Absolutely. And so, what about the representatives that we don't particularly care for? Do we we pray for them too? No, I I, I like every representative that represents us. I will pray for all of those, but I will also pray for the representatives that are really just leaders trying to control us. I will pray for them as well with equal time. <laughs> Beautifully done. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. And when you say leaders, you mean like the people that think they're rulers, right? Right. Because Remember, you know, we vote for these people. Positive we vote for people to tell us what to do and we shouldn't be doing that. We should be voting for people to tell us that that will tell us they'll lead they will they will uh represent us exactly and Absolutely. what we need what we not what don't tell us what we need all right okay i confused that one and then but i'm confused then, today too and so until next time what? good to each other have a great week and god bless bye-bye